with the spike in violent crime in 2020, first year of the pandemic, we have an obligation to make sure all people are safe. Public safety depends on public trust as all of us know. But too often that trust is violated. Joining us tonight are the parents of Tyree Nichols. Welcome. State of the Union Address 2023. that child by the end of the war. Imagine having to worry whether your son or daughter came home from walking down the street, planting a park, or just driving a car. February 7, 2023. Tuesday. my children. I never had to ever talk to them. I never had to tell them if a police officer pulled you over. Turn your interior lights on right away. Don't reach for your license. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Imagine having to worry after every single day that you've gotten caught. Here's what Tyree's mother shared with me in the airport bus when I asked her how she finds the courage to carry on and speak out. I thank the God she said her son was, quote, a beautiful soul, and something good will come of it. Imagine how much courage you carry with you. It does, all of us. We all want the same thing. Neighborhoods free of violence. Law enforcement as opposed to an arm of the community's trust. Just as every cop in that ten hundred thousand million has a right to be able to go home at night, so does everybody else have. Our children have a right to come home safely. Equal protection under the law, the covenant we have with each other in America. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. God did. And now, Tyree Nichols is home. Succeed in keeping them safe. We also need more first responders and professionals to address the growing mental health substance abuse challenge. More research to reduce violent crime and gun crime. More community intervention programs. More investment in housing, education, and job training. Gun control is an epidemic now. Gun violence. 
is an epidemic. Gun control can be controlled. This is why I say what happened to Tyree Nichols is not a race issue. It is a violent issue, but it is not a race issue because it was done by black people. Black cops. This and many more issues can be signed through Global Citizen. And through change.org. During the Lunar New Year celebration, we heard the studio door close. We saw a man standing there pointing. Some of you already might have fixed it already. We thought he was going to die. We thought about the people inside. And in that instant, he found the courage to act and wrestle the semi automatic pistol away from the gunner who already killed 11 people in that advanced car. 11. He saved lives. Seizing over 23,000 pounds of fentanyl in just the last several months. 
He launched a new border plan last month. Unlawful migration in Cuba, Haiti, Nicaragua, Venezuela has come down 97% as a consequence of that. But American border problems won't be fixed until Congress acts. If we don't pass that complex immigration reform, we at least pass my plan to provide the equipment and officers to secure the border. Republican chairman is not clapping, period. Europe and everywhere. Before I came to office, the story was about 
Share the story also familiar to millions of Americans and many of you and the others. Courtney discovered pills in high school. It spiraled into addiction and eventually death from a fentanyl overdose. She was just 20 years old. Described in her last eight years without her, Doug said, there's no worse pain. Yet their family has turned pain to purpose, working to end the stigma and change laws. He told us he wants to start a journey toward American recovery. Doug, we're with you. Fentanyl is killing more than 70,000 Americans a year. Yes, it is. You got it. And a hush falls over the crowd. So let's launch a major surge to stop fentanyl production and the sale and trafficking with more drug detection machines, inspection cargo, stop pills and powder at the border. True. Working with couriers like FedEx to inspect more packages. Thank you. Strong penalties to crack down on fentanyl trafficking. Second, let's do more on mental health, especially for our children. When millions of young people are struggling with bullying, violence, trauma, we have greater access to mental health care at their schools. We must finally hold social media companies accountable for experimenting or doing running children for profit. It's time to pass bipartisan legislation to stop big tech from collecting personal data on our kids and teenagers online. Big targeted advertising to children and impose stricter limits on the personal data that companies collect on all of us. Third, let's do more to keep this nation's one truly sacred obligation. Equip those we send into harm's way and care for them and their families when they come home. Job training, job placement for veterans and their spouses as they come to return to civilian life. Helping veterans afford the rent 
because no one should be homeless in America, especially someone who served the country. Dennis McDuck here, VA. We had a first real discussion. I asked him to take the job. I'm glad he did. We were losing up to 25 veterans a day on suicide. Now we're losing 17 a day on the silent scourge of suicide. 17 veterans a day are committing suicide. More than all the people being killed in the war. Folks, VA is doing everything it can, including expanding mental health screenings, truant programs that recruit veterans. Mental health is real, folks. Get them the help they need. We got to do more. And fourth, last year, Jill and I reignited the cancer moonshot that I was able to start with President Obama asking to lead our administration on this issue. Our goal is to cut the cancer death rates at least by 50% in the next 25 years. Turn more cancers and death sentences to treatable diseases. Provide more support for patients and their families. It's personal with so many of us, so many of us in this audience. Joining us from Morris and Candice, an Irishman and the daughter of immigrants from Panama. They met and fell in love in New York City and got married in the same chapel Jill and I got married in New York City. Kindred spirits. He wrote us a letter about his little daughter, Ava, and I saw her just before I came over. She was just a year old when she was diagnosed with rare kidney disease, cancer. After 26 blood transfusions, 11 rounds of radiation, 8 rounds of chemo, one kidney removed, even a 5% survival rate. He wrote how in the darkest moments he thought, if she goes, I can't stay. Many of you went through that as well. Jill and I understand that like so many of you. And he read Jill's book describing our family's cancer journey and how we tried to steal moments of joy where we could with both. For them, that glimmer of joy was the half smile of their baby girl. It meant everything to them. They never gave up hope. Little Ava never gave up hope. She turns four next month. They just found out Ava's beating the odds is on her way to being cured of cancer. And she's watching from the White House tonight, which is now asleep already. For the lives we can save. For the lives we can save and the lives we've lost, let this be a truly American moment. It rallies the country and the world together and proves that we can still do big things. 20 years ago, under the leadership of President Bush and countless advocates and champions, he undertook a bipartisan effort through PEPFAR to transform the global fight against HIV AIDS. It's been a huge oh success. Oh my God. He thought big. He thought long. It's been 20 years since President Bush. I believe we can do the same thing with cancer. And three presidents. Let's end cancer as we know it. Or two and a half presidents. <laughs> Once and for all. Folks, 
There's one reason why we've been able to do all these things. Our democracy itself. My goodness. The most fundamental thing of all. With democracy, everything shows possible. you the age of me. Without it, nothing is. For the last few years, our democracy has been threatened and attacked. Put at risk. Put to the test. On January the 6th. And then just a few months ago, an unhealed big lie assailed and unleashed a political violence at the home of the then Speaker of the House of Representatives. Using the very same language insurrectionists used as they stalked in his halls and chanted on January 6th. Here tonight in this chamber is the man who bared the scars of that brutal attack. But is as tough and as strong as resilient as they get. My friend Paul Pelosi. Paul Sanders. There's a sharp dressed man sitting right with his life. Agreed. We, the people of the United States. The nation that embraces light over dark, hope over fear, unity over doom, stability over chaos. We have to see each other not as enemies, but as fellow Americans. We're good people. The only nation in the world built on an idea. The only one. Other nations. Are defined by geography, ethnicity. We're the only nation based on an idea that all of us, every one of us, is created equal in the image of God. Guided by one. Speaking of the world, a nation in a new age of possibilities. So I've come to fulfill my constitutional obligation every four years. The State of the Union, and here's where I get my report. Because the soul of this nation is strong, because the backbone of this nation is strong, because the people of That's this nation not the strong, exact preamble, but uh, that's the twist. We the people is how it starts, and that's what I was trying to uh, 
point out. I'm not new to this place. I stand here tonight and have served as long as about any one of you have ever served here. But I've never been more optimistic about our future, about the future of America. Just to remember who we are. We're the United States of America, and there's nothing, nothing beyond our capacity if we do it together. God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. Thank you. And there it is, President Biden saying the state of our union is strong. He was feisty. He was combative. At times, even responsive to the crowd. His second State of the Union address, he focused a great deal on kitchen table issues, some of them as small as the fine print in your hotel bill, some as big as the notion of democracy itself. He talked about unity, issues one might call liberal populism. He talked about policing reform, Ukraine, veterans, fentanyl, health care, more. There's a lot to chew over. But, Dana Batch, I think it's fair to say one thing that I'm going to remember from this night is it's new House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's insistence that House Republicans behave themselves and respect the presidency, if not the president. That went unheeded. The president was heckled quite often and quite rudely by many of the same House Republicans who made the speaker's life so difficult a month ago when we were sitting there. Yeah. Absolutely. And it was stunning to see uh, the House Speaker sitting behind the president on multiple occasions, visibly shushing members of his conference who were heckling the president. Uh, in one case, Marjorie Taylor Greene apparently just called him a liar. Remember, that was, I don't know how long ago. Uh, Joe Wilson. And yeah. How long ago was that? Ten years ago? More than ten years ago, I guess, when Joe Wilson did it. Uh, and it was an outrage, and now uh, we're seeing it, and we don't, we don't want this kind of uh, lack of decorum to be the norm, but apparently it, it has become the norm. The fact that they were interacting was also different because he didn't just ignore it, he gave it back. And, and that to me is the key point because I think in recent years, especially in the Trump years, the Democrats would stand and respond to Trump, they would boo, they would roll their eyes, groan, all of that. Uh, this is not both sides of them, you can just look it up. They did some of those things too. I don't think that to me was what stood out about those interactions. It's how Biden kind of gave as good as he got. And the White House wrote this speech knowing that they were coming to Republicans on some issues that they've been attacking Biden on, whether it is on this issue of spending cuts, on, on the deficit and debt, on fentanyl. These are things uh, that were written into the speech to get a response from Republicans. And Biden in that moment, I think, showed one of the things the White House was hoping he would show, which is some vigor and some fight, oh, and, yeah. um, and I think that at the end of the day, that might be the thing that you remember, what he oh, ad I, I don't think I don't think there's any doubt that that was the match. I mean, the speech went on, what, an hour and an hour, an hour and 12, yeah. Uh, uh, minutes, and what everybody's going to remember, what all the clips are going to be tomorrow morning on the news are of that moment when the president, I don't know if you could say he dated or provoked them, but he certainly was very happy when he got the response he got from Republicans on issues like whether or not they're going to hold the economy hostage and not raise the debt limit, whether or not they're going to cut Social Security or Medicare. And he milked that moment. Once the, the Republicans started responding and saw people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, we couldn't hear what she said, but she was shouting at him and Lauren Boebert. She called him a liar. He engaged. He loved it. And, and that was the moment he was going to remember. And to the degree that people had questions about the vigor and the resilience.
opinions of this president. I, he did as well as he could tonight. To the American people who sat in the office of which President Biden did his speech tonight. They all acted like insolent children. And I'm talking about the hecklers. Now, I did not get to watch the whole thing because I didn't had no clue it was on. But shame, shame to the Congress members. I like what he had to say. The parts I did catch. And yes, we all do have a right. To do what we want to a certain extent. The things I liked about um, Joe Biden's speech one. Getting um, fentanyl, which is a very powerful and addicting drug off the street. Um, St. Jude, uh, helping cancer victims is one of the things he proposed and continues to do behind the scenes. Because I really haven't heard of it, heard any of it other than what he has said. Um, gun control, yes, need to get a hand on, handle on that still.
veteran suicide is still a thing. Suicide in general is still a thing. Ukraine, that's still a thing, and I believe it's going to uh, continue to be a thing past 2024. At least for a while. Um, and past the man who cannot be named. Uh, Russia's president. Um, sickness. Let's just call it that. Um, but, yeah, uh, there's still a lot of things that, um, America needs to do. And or help out with um, in the Biden era. But uh, since becoming 46th president on the January 20th nearly four years ago I think that uh Yes, Joe Biden has done questionable things, but they've all been questionable to certain folks that have had or have a problem with him. Not the real su supporters, because I think that supporting him and the people that do support him, and which and which we should support all. 
because we are the United States of America, all people in our Congress we should support other than uh, a few people. But when it comes to politics, yes, we should support all of them. Um, bad, good, or indifferent politics. Uh, and I'm not going to name names, but, uh, keep doing your thing, Mr. Biden, and, uh, we'll be there to support you at least some of us.